I am so, so very grateful for each and every one of you as you connect with us in these digital-only services, whatever platform you're on. Thank you. And I hope that you'll keep inviting other people to step into this because I, I'm not sure about you, but I do know about me. This series from the book of Philippians, that letter that Paul wrote, that intimate and positive and insightful letter he wrote to the people of Philippi is is really making a difference in my life. It's, it's hitting right at the tension at where I live. And that tension is between my plans and God's plans. And all of us live in that tension because by nature, we, we really seem to have the idea that what we feel is right and what we see is right will lead to everything that we're longing for. But it's just not that way. When we follow our plans and leave God out, no matter how right it feels, no matter how intelligent it seems, it always leads to disappointment and loss. Whereas God's plans often feel not positive. They don't feel natural. They don't feel like they're going to produce anything. But when we're faithful to follow his plan, set aside ours to, to do his will, they always lead to exactly where he promises they'll lead, to experiencing life and life in its fullness. And in this beautiful letter, Paul talks a lot about the difference and the tension between those two realities, my plan and God's plan. And the whole Christian life is about adjusting to, being transformed by God in order to, set aside our plans and follow his plans and experience the life he's designed for us. And so I'm just thrilled that you're connected with us, that you're joining with us. And, and the foundational truth that forms the context of our conversation this weekend is out of Philippians chapter 2. It's really a, an important aspect of understanding the Christian life. And here's the truth. The Christian life is all about change. In the end, the Christian life following Jesus is all about change. And this is interesting from my point of view. I've been a pastor for decades, and I have to tell you, change is not the common denominator in Jesus' followers' desires. In fact, very often Christians can be, and because Christians make up the church, churches can be entrenched against change. I, I mean, Christians, unlike many people groups, can dig in their heels against change and not want it to change. And yet, the Christian life is supposed to be all about change. And I think the confusion comes in when, when people understand that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And they, since Jesus doesn't change, we shouldn't change. But, but very often, there's a misapplication of that. It's true that Jesus doesn't change in character. I mean, he was good, is good, and always will be good. That'll never change. He's faithful in the past. He's faithful in the present. He'll be faithful in the future. That never changes. He, he loves us in the past. He loves us in the present. He loves us in the future, no matter what we do. And that doesn't change. But, but circumstances change. Seasons change. He... He went from being in paradise to being wrapped in humanity on earth. That's change. He went from birth to death. That's change. He, change is a reality of humanity. And 
The truth is the underlying point of the entire journey of following Jesus is change. And I thought I should show you this from a scriptural standpoint so you can understand the deeper intent of what we can get from Paul in, in the second chapter of Philippians. So look at Romans 8.29. This was written by Paul. And he said, for those God foreknew, he also predetermined that they should be conformed to the image of his son. In, in other words, God's will for us, his plan for us, is that we would go from following our plans and our natures to changing in order to live God's plans, Jesus' plans, to become like Jesus. I mean, that's change, to go from who we are by nature to conforming to the image of his son. That's the whole journey, and it's all about dramatic change. Again, Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, don't conform to the pattern of this world. Don't allow yourself to be poured into and solidified as the pattern of the world. No, be transformed. The word behind that is metamorphosis. It's like be totally changed by the renewing of your mind. That's what following Jesus is supposed to accomplish, total life change. And then Ephesians chapter 4, also written by Paul, starting with verse 22. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness, right living, and holiness. I mean, that's all about change. Put off the way you used to be and how you used to live according to your plans and put on the new. Live God's way. It's the point of the journey. Uh, what's the definition of Christianity in the end? Yes, Christ, but what does Christ produce in us? Change. Christianity is change, and yet so many don't change. Churches don't change ever. The Christians don't change ever. We don't change ever. And, and so it makes it like God's not working, but he is. As we've seen in Philippians chapter 2 already in the last couple of weeks, Philippians 2 is calling us to the change that comes with following Jesus. It's about the changes that are supposed to take place as we conform to the image of, of Jesus' pattern and a couple of weeks ago, we saw how change, we have to change our natural tendency to love ourselves first and instead, like Jesus, love people, love others, consider them, give ourselves to them. Last weekend, we saw how we're supposed to change our natural attitudes and our natural attitudes are about grasping for ourselves and, and exploiting others for our own advantage, but we're supposed to change to embrace the attitudes of Jesus and his attitude was that though he was God, had all power, instead of trying to stay, you know, king of the mountain, he released all of his advantages so that he could advantage others. He could give himself as a ransom for others. And those are the changes that Paul's calling for in Philippians chapter 2. But can we just be honest about the reality? Genuine change is never easy. Faking change can be easy. But genuine change, genuine transformation is never easy. And yet, as human beings, I know this is true of me. I'm sure it's true of you. Don't we try and do everything in our power to make change easier, to make it more palatable, to make it more comfortable? I mean, I, I think about physical change. And, you know, we go through a lot of changes physically over the course of a lifetime. And if we haven't, you know 
taken heed to nutritional values that we should, you know, follow. And if we haven't taken care of ourselves through working out and physical exercise and those kind of things, um, we can kind of get out of shape, you know, not necessarily be fit according to the potential God's given us. And, and what we try to do with physical change, we, we realize it. New Year's Eve of any given year, we realize, man, I got to change. I, I, I can't keep going this direction. And, and what we try to do is we try and bring physical change in easy ways. Even though it's taken a lifetime to get where we are, we want to change to physical perfection in a very short period of time. And so that's where all these crazy, crazy, bizarre diets come from. You can lose 120 pounds in five minutes, you know, that kind of deal. And then if we don't have the discipline for the crazy diet, then why not take some pills, diet pills that can help, you know, re-engineer our physical thing. And hopefully it'll work in a, in a week. And if that doesn't work, hey, let's get a doctor to suck the fat right out of our bodies. I've got a little spot here and a little spot here and liposuction. And if that doesn't work, how about just downright plastic surgery? Just take it all off. And, and there's nothing wrong with plastic surgery, liposuction, that. But, but you see what we do? We, we try and make that which is difficult easy, physical change. And, and here's the reality. Without discipline and hard work, the quick changes almost never last. It just doesn't. Well, sadly, many try to do the same thing spiritually, where it's even worse, far more destructive and dangerous. They, they try to make the spiritual transformation that God wants for us easy, and it's just not. And I have to tell you, the reality is that there are some mind-boggling recommendations about how we should go about changing spiritually, and they're on opposite ends of the spectrum. They're, they're way out of balance. There are those who are extremely pious and pretty arrogant in their spirituality who say, all you have to do is wait on the Lord. And I know Isaiah 40, 31 actually says those words, wait on the Lord, but it's not saying that you have no role. I, they say, wait on the Lord, he'll do it all. And if God's not doing this great work, it's because you don't have enough faith. And if God's not doing it, you're just not waiting on him properly. And they say, wait on him to do everything. Just pray and fast and God will do it all. That's the passive approach. And God didn't call us to be passive. But then there are the people on the opposite side of the spectrum who, who basically say, if it's to be, it's up to me. And these people are absolutely activistic in their view. They put the entire responsibility for spiritual growth and spiritual transformation on us as individual believers. And that doesn't work either. We don't have the capacity to become like Jesus. So needless to say, neither of these extremes, along with many other bizarre plans people have spiritually, work. And what's happened is really negative. It's driven people away from faith. They hear really pious people say, all you have to do is wait on the Lord. He'll do it all. And when God doesn't show up and do it all, they reject the faith. It doesn't work for them. And those who are trying to do it all themselves, they, they get sick and tired of doing everything they're supposed to do and still feeling empty and dark inside. And they too walk away from the faith. The reality is many of us who are genuine followers of Jesus get really confused because we're going about trying to change spiritually in all the wrong ways and it can get frustrating and confusing. And so what Paul's doing in this passage is he's helping us to understand that while spiritual change and transformation can't happen 
quickly. It's not always comfortable, and it's certainly not easy. It can happen, but we have to understand it, it's, it in its entirety. And so what Paul gives to us in Philippians chapter 2 is he, he gives to us the two sides of spiritual transformation, two sides of genuine spiritual change. And I like to think of it as a, as a coin, right? One coin, a single coin, but it has to have two sides. And that's exactly how spiritual formation is. It's, it's one thing, spiritual life change. Everything God talks about in Scripture, but, but it has two sides. And when we look into Scripture, we have to understand which side he's talking about and make sure we hold them into proper balance. Philippians chapter 2 is where we'll start, verse 12. He says, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose, in order to fulfill his plan. So, do everything without grumbling or arguing. And just if I could put a full stop here, for those people who always say, just wait on the Lord, be passive, wait for him to do it. Paul's going against that right here because he's now saying, hey, God's worked in you, but you need to do everything without grumbling and without arguing. Just do it, he's saying. That's something we have to do. And then he says, so that you may become blameless and pure. And here's the truth. When God saves us, when we put our faith in Jesus and he redeems us, inside he takes away all of our guilt, all of our shame, all the outcomes of our failure. That's why Jesus died on the cross and was buried. So all of our garbage could go there. So when we trust Jesus, he makes us inside blameless and pure. But then Paul says, but you need to become blameless and pure. He's saying you need to start living on the outside what God has done to you on the inside. He, he says, then you can become children of God without fault, even though we're in a warped and crooked generation. And see, when you put your faith in Jesus, you become a child of God. But Paul's saying, but once he does that in you, then you need to live from the inside out, live outside as a child of God so this dark world can see the difference. And then he says, you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of God. You, you realize when you let Jesus into your life, he is light and he fills you with light. But what Paul's saying is, what you have to do is now live from the inside out. Let the light of Jesus shine out. And so the two sides of spiritual formation are all in these beautiful words that Paul penned to us. The two sides of the same coin. And what's the first side? Well, God's work is the first side. Philippians 2.13, he said it, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. God works in you so that you can ultimately live his plan. God works in you. Here Paul's identifying God's part in spiritual transformation, the God side of the coin. You see, God's the initiator of all true, genuine spiritual life change. God's the power behind spiritual transformation. The, the word works there, you know, it says God works in you, comes from the Greek word where we get our word energizer or energy from. So Paul here is clarifying 
that we can't conform ourselves into the image of Christ. We, we can't change ourselves spiritually. Rather, God is the energizer for change in our lives. And he's saying, God will give you the power to do what he wants you to do. God will give you the power to become what he's called you to become. God is the only power source capable of transforming us into the image of Christ. It's a supernatural thing that happens inside. The work of spiritual life change starts with God. And according to verse 13, there are two primary aspects to the work of God in our lives. He says, God works in you. And what's he working you to do? He works in you, first of all, to transform your desires. He transforms our inside desires. And you know how important this is, right? It's the desires that drive me from within that ultimately become the motivation for the choices I make without. And so God's work is essential because he has to transform our desires within. Only he can do that, which will then lead to different choices. God works in you to will, Philippians 2.13 says, to will, to desire, to want in order to fulfill his purpose. And can we just, can we just be honest about our desires by nature, who we are on our own? I mean, John 3.19 says that men... Humankind loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. I mean, we desire the wrong things. And so we make the wrong choices. But God's work is to change, to transform what we desire. God's work is also one of empowering us. He, he transforms our desires and then he gives us something we don't have. The power to choose right. He empowers our actions. Philippians 2.13 says it. God works in you to act, not just to will, to desire, to want, but to act so that you'll make choices that will fulfill his purpose, that will remove your plans as priority and make his plans priority. And Jesus was getting at this in John 15.5 when he said, apart from me, you can do nothing. It's true. If he doesn't empower us to act, we'll never act like Jesus. So this is God's work. He works in us. Now, of course, the appropriate question, at least for me, is how does God do this work inside our lives? I mean, what does he use to accomplish this? And I thought I'd throw these out and you can examine them on your own all week long if you'd like, but, but some tools in God's tool chest. This, these are the things God uses to reach inside us and supernaturally transform our desires and empower our actions. The first, God uses the Bible to transform us. God uses the Bible to transform us. The, the Bible is not some ordinary book. It's not just words on a pages that give us content that change and inform our knowledge. The, the Bible is God's inspired living word and when we internalize it, when we take it in, when we give it a place in our lives, it can transform us from the inside out. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says that all scripture is God-breathed. And it's useful because God's given it. It's useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting and training in righteousness so that the, the man and woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. 
He can transform us into everything we should desire inwardly and everything we should want to act upon outwardly when we consume his word in our lives. Another tool that God uses, God uses the Holy Spirit to empower us. His Holy Spirit, that when we put faith in Jesus, is is placed inside us, is God's power in us to energize our spiritual change, to literally make it happen. Look at 2 Corinthians 3.18. Paul's writing this, and he says, And we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory. And how are we being transformed? And how are we being changed? How is he changing our desires and our actions and on the inside? Well, it comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. God empowers us with his Spirit to become like Jesus. That's the only power that can make it happen. I mean, I... I've tried for years to try and be like Jesus, and I can tack on some of the characteristics on the outside, but the inside's still filled with shadows and darkness and guilt. But the Holy Spirit can change everything from the inside out. And then, last tool I'll, I'll suggest here is that God transforms us with his word. He empowers us with his spirit, but then he uses our circumstances to develop us into all he wants us to become. He uses our circumstances now, that's not mystical at all. We're in a pandemic right now, a quarantine, a shutdown. It's created all kinds of unbelievable uncertainties. It's created good night loss. People have died because of it. It's created economic pain and suffering for many of us. And there, there's a lot of junk involved in the circumstances right now. A lot of negative stuff. But you know what God does with circumstances? He uses them to to sculpt in us the image of Jesus. Look at how James says it in chapter 1, verses 2 and 4 to 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials, troubles, tribulations, persecution of all variety of kinds. Because you can know this, the circumstances that test your faith develops you, develops perseverance. And then says perseverance then finishes its work so that you can become mature. That's what spiritual growth is, so that you can become more mature in conforming to the image of Jesus. So you can become complete, so that you can actually become everything God created you to become whole, fulfilled, not lacking anything. The truth is, we very often don't expose ourselves to God's word, which is why we're not experiencing our desires and our power within being transformed. It's very seldom that we actually submit to and live by the spirit, depend on his power. And that's why we're not empowered to look like Jesus. That's why the Christian life is such a struggle for us, impossible. And we almost always try and push bad circumstances away, get comfortable, run from them, deny them, hide from them. And, and these are the tools that God use, uses to reshape us. Now, while there is no way any of us can be transformed apart from God doing his work in us, the truth is there is another side to spiritual transformation. It's a two-sided reality. And too many of us only have the God work side but the second side of spiritual transformation is our work, our work. 
Paul talks about this in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. He says, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to, and get this language, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, and let me just pull out a couple of key words from that verse, which will help us, I think, to understand it better and apply it better, our side of spiritual transformation. The first word is therefore. And that, that's a connecting word. What, what Paul's doing is he's bridging something he's already said to what he wants them to do or become. And therefore, in fact, if I could throw in for free um, a little bit of Bible study advice, whenever you come across the word therefore, you need to figure out what it's there for. And in this case, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, he's saying, look it. Since God has told us that we should live with no selfish ambition or vain conceit, but we should consider others' interests as highly as we consider our own, that we should break our nature and serve others instead of serving ourselves. And since God wants us to be like Jesus, that's his plan for us. And Jesus had all power, and he didn't try and keep it. He released it to advantages others. Then since that's what God wants of us, therefore, he says... There's something you need to do. You need to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Therefore, work out your salvation. And I, I, I need you to notice things because a lot of people get confused about this. Work out my salvation. Work out my salvation. I, I understand it's not saying work for your salvation. It's saying work out your salvation. Let it go from the inside out do the exercise of discipline necessary to move what God's done within you, his work, to the outside. And many miss this. The Bible makes it clear all the way through. A good example is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, that our salvation is not of works. It's not something we can do on our own. God has to do it in us. And and the people Paul's writing to in this passage are already Jesus' followers. They've already experienced salvation. So he's not telling them how to get what they already have. He's talking to them about how to live and become fully developed in what Jesus has done inside them. He's saying, I'm wanting you to move what God's done on the inside to work it out to the outside. And I think physical workouts are a great example of this. When you work out physically, what are you really doing? I don't know if you've ever thought about this or not. <clears throat> and maybe I'm just really simple, and so that's why I think in simple terms. But when you're working out physically, you're working out what you already have, your body. God's already given us this body. We already have our muscles and our organs and everything there. And we're not working for a body. We already have it. We're working out our body. We're trying to ensure that its full potential for strength, for life, for health is, is secured. So we work it out. If you've been watching the whole service, then you saw our Northridge News and Coach Kyle, who's a part of the Northridge family here, actually plays Joseph, you know, Mary's husband in, in GOC. But, but he's Coach Kyle. He, he's a fitness guy and he's starting a fitness ministry here with Northridge. And I just absolutely love it. It's going to be on Monday at 8.16 a.m. Yes, that's 16 a.m. 8.16 on the Northridge Facebook page. 
And he's going to give you all kinds of ideas about how you can, you know, work yourself out spirit, uh, physically. But here, here's what I know. It won't help you at all. None of the great advice Coach Kyle gives, none of it will help you at all unless you choose to do it. Actually work it out in your life. Well, in this passage, Paul's making it clear that the same is true in our spiritual lives. In salvation, by grace, God gives us our spiritual life. Uh, he gives us our new natures. He gives us the ability to conform to the image of Jesus and to follow him. But in order for us to be healthy and growing spiritually, we have to work it out. Simply, we have to accept personal responsibility for our growth. We have to stop blaming God and blaming the world and blaming our churches and blaming our pastors and blaming everybody on the planet and in the cosmos for why we're not growing spiritually and we need to accept personal responsibility. And Paul makes it clear how seriously we should take our responsibility. Yes, spiritual formation demands God doing his work in us, but it also demands the second side of the coin, us working it out. And he says, we should take this responsibility so seriously that we do it with fear and trembling. Fear and trembling. And by using this phrase, Paul isn't teaching us that we should be afraid of God. He's the one that wrote that God's perfect love casts out fear. He, he's instead saying, we should understand that the losses and the negative consequences of not working out our spiritual lives, of not bringing what Jesus has done on the inside out has such dire consequences that we should do it. We should be motivated to do it with fear and trembling. We should take responsibility for it. So our spiritual work is to make sure that we are fully expressing what God did in us when Jesus saved us to take the inside and work it out. And we're to do the hard work of conforming to Jesus in our lives from the inside out. And what is that work? Well, just piece together what God does in us and what he uses to do it in us. If we're going to do our work, it starts here. It starts by us submitting to his transforming work in our lives. It starts with us submitting to the transforming work of his word, the Bible in our lives. I mean, Paul said it, Philippians 2.16, we work out our salvation ultimately by holding firmly to the word of life. Y you know what it's really about? It's about by discipline, acting upon the desires and the power he's given us to simply obey what he says. When it doesn't feel right, when it's not comfortable, when it's not easy, when it seems it's going to take us away from every dream we've ever had, when it doesn't match our plans, what we have to do is we have to submit and obey what he's doing in his word and saying in his word, and it starts transforming us on the outside. Are you? One of the problems many has is that they're not getting into the Bible enough to let it transform them. We have to stop trying to make the Bible say what we want it to say. We have to stop trying to make the Bible fit our plans. And we need to cross out our plans and submit to what God tells us to do in his word. And if we do, might not feel comfortable on the front end. It might take us through valleys of darkness, but in the end, it will get us to exactly where we long to be. 
What's our work? Well, once we're submitting to the transforming work of the Bible in our lives, it's to be submitting to the empowering work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because he's the only power source. I mean, if, if I don't plug this iPad in every night, it runs out of power. It needs to be charged up. And that's how we are as believers. Without the Holy Spirit's power, we will never look anything like Jesus. We'll pretend to be like Jesus if we're Christians. You will pretend to be worshiping and we'll be inspired with adrenaline. We'll say all the right words and man, we'll look the part, but on the inside, and you know exactly what I'm talking about, we'll be empty and unfulfilled. There won't be joy. There'll be despair and disappointment and grief and uncertainty and doubt, darkness. We have to sub submit to the empowering work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He's the power source. We have to keep plugging into him Galatians 5.16, Paul says, So I say, live by the Spirit of God, live in His power, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. There is only one way to say no to my plans and yes to God's plans, and that's by submitting to the power of the Holy Spirit. Are you? And finally, what's our work? To submit to the unique plan of God in our lives. We have to submit to God's plan in our lives. And part of his plan is that we have to walk through different circumstances and different seasons and seasons of difficulty. And I think this pandemic's a great example of that. We have to stop trying to make it easier and push it away and live in fear. And, and what we need to do is say, God, I don't like this moment, but I want you to use this moment to make me more like Jesus. It's kind of like Jesus in Luke 22, verse 42. He didn't want to go to the cross, but he said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done, God. He was willing to surrender to the circumstances of God's plans in his life so that he could become and fulfill what God wanted for him. And we need to do the same thing. But here's what we have to remember. Whatever plan God has for us, if we're going to be successful in finding it and living it out, we can't just be passive and wait on him to do it all. And we can't just do it on our own. There are always two sides to genuine spiritual living, transformation, God's work and our work. Disciplining ourselves to bring what God's done on the inside out. It starts with his grace and continues with our discipline. So here's the application I want to give you. Here's maybe how you can weave it into the fabric of your everyday practical lives. If we're going to genuinely live the Christian life, which is all about change, and if we're going to genuinely experience the fullness of God's plans in our lives, then we must start by faith, letting him do his work in us. By faith, we have to let him do his work in us. Philippians 2.13, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purposes. Have, have you let him? Jesus' words are really powerful in Revelation 3.20 about this. He says, I'm standing on the outside knocking. And all you have to do is open yourself up and I'll come in and I'll transform you. This is your moment. Before I give the last thought and we end in worship, I... I'm going to lead in a prayer, and I believe there are many of you who maybe your outside's right, but you know the inside's messed up. But Jesus said if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all that unrighteousness. Would you pray with me? 
Take my words. You can say it out loud or in your heart, but take my words and make them your words to God, okay? Just say, Jesus, I, I need you to do what only you can do in me. I know you died on that cross for my sin. And so I'm confessing my sin to you and asking you to take my sin away. I believe that you rose from the dead so you could put in me new life, new desires, new power. And by faith, I'm receiving that. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you just prayed with me, I... I just want to encourage you, let us know. You can just text us, as you can see on the screen right now. We want to send you a New Testament Bible and some other information, but, but we just have to hear from you. And if you do text us, just know we'll be praying for you and celebrating with you, okay? And, and if we're going to ultimately really experience all God wants for us, once we by faith let him do his work in us, then in faith, not by faith, but in faith, we need to live out his work. We need to work out our salvation with serious, serious motivation and continue to work it out. So can I just really get personal and ask you, are you? Are you in faith living out his work? Are you being submissive to God's word in your life and being transformed by it? Are you, are you being submissive to God's spirit in your life and being empowered by it? Are you... Are you really being submissive to God's plan for your life, not bucking against all these circumstances, but like James said, considering it joy because you want God to do his work in you? Well, before we end with worship, whatever your answers are to those questions, wherever you're at in your spiritual journey in this moment in your life, I want to pray for you. So would you let me do that? Father in heaven, I pray for each and every one who's experiencing this talk right now. And God, you let Jesus die on the cross and be buried and raised again so that you could do your work in each and every one of them, the work of changing their desires, of changing their heart, of empowering them to be like Jesus so that they could really be children of God. And now it's their responsibility to work that salvation out as Paul said, to do it without grumbling and arguing, to live blameless and pure, to live as children of God in a wicked and perverse generation, to shine as stars. And I pray for each and every one of us that we will know your work in us and then work it out from the inside out. Let us just say, God, that we will, we will, we will. And I'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.